And like I say, for me, it's, it's climate. That's it for me. That's the alpha issue right now. Um, but other people are going to have other concerns. The, the thing you have to avoid is an inactivist sort of lifestyle, which I think a lot of people fall back into where when we're really stressed, we tend to go back to the familiar. And that, that's a common reaction, not just to, to humans, but uh, any animal, really, that if the world is chaotic and stressful, we go back to what we know. Thus, hell of an intro. I tell you what you info, but I never really been the type of dude to give no info. But if you see your ends low and you trying to get a benzo, I'll give your ass some game that'll change the way that you think, bro. Super skilled with the pencil, super ill in my mental. I reminisce on life, I'm nice. Here's my memento. Get it through your tempo. I get on any tempo and give it all I got. I'm hot. I got like 10 flows trying to live on the 10th flow across from residentials that I own. My mind stay grown. I used to think clothes. I really used to think hoes and what I do to get those. And then I switched it up. I'm only thinking potential. Yeah. Uh. Like what you do, homie? What's your vision? How you thinking? How you move, homie? Uh. And is you cool, homie? You thinking building, then that's something we could do, homie. Everyone, welcome to The Walk and Grow. It's Ronnie Francis on the mic. And this is the show where you get to place empower your mind and transform your reality. And the best part is you get to do it with us. Now, you guys see there is a special guest here today. We are giving you another special one. So sometimes you'll hear us rant. Sometimes you'll hear us go back and forth with each other. But today, you're going to hear from a special guest that we have and hear their perspective on what they have to do. Now, we want to hear from you as well. So be sure to email us, DM us on Instagram, hashtag grow together, so we can share your thoughts, hear your perspectives, and see what it is that you got going on. But with that being said, go ahead, Francis, take away and introduce our special guest that we have here today. Well, I just want to say a big welcome to Frank Forensic in our on our podcast today. Um, Frank is a writer. He's a big passionate advocate for human animal. He's, uh, he has a BA in uh, human biology from Stanford and uh, a black belt in karate. He has traveled across the world to kind of uh, share his knowledge and, and wisdom and what he's passionate about. Uh, and today we're here to hear about his book and some of the things that he's working towards and uh, uh, talk a bit more about education, conflict, and the training within, um, you know, that topic itself. So, Frank, I'm going to open the floor and kind of, you know, let you freestyle a little bit and tell us a bit about you today. Yeah, well, it's, it's great to be on with you guys. And, um, yeah, my origin story goes back when I first started martial arts, I was uh, roughly 20 years old. And at the time I was studying human biology in school and I had some professors who were really interesting. And they said, look, if you really want to understand the human body, you need to go to Africa and you need to study human origins. And I actually did that. So it was a way for me to connect these two domains. The one domain, which is all about physical training and martial arts, and the other one about human history. And I just was so turned on by the whole subject. I was just really fascinated by the fact that my body has this deep history and that I can learn a lot about how it functions and how to maybe do better in the world. 
So that was the start of all this. And I got involved in some other practices. I went to massage school. I studied athletic training and studied with different teachers along the way. And it became, every day it became more interesting for me. So it's been like 30 some years of martial art training with a lot of fantastic teachers. And the book is all about this phrase, the enemy is never wrong. And that's something I picked up from a martial art teacher years ago and it stuck with me. So I thought I'd write a book about it. That's awesome. Um, you talk a bit about you know, your experience going back to Africa. I'm originally from Africa myself and, and I would like to know how was your experience there and you know what part of your experience there really you know empowered you to even dive even deeper into martial art right well i was lucky because i was able to go to kenya tanzania botswana south africa and i was actually able to go out with the bushman on a couple of occasions so i got to witness an authentic hunting and gathering experience which was precious and it, it fired my imagination because all of a sudden I was wondering what it would have been like to live during that age. And in the modern world now, I, I follow some people who are what you might call paleo athletes. So this is CrossFit and barefoot running and this type of thing where it's all about the athleticism that it would take to succeed as a hunter-gatherer. But from my experience, it was more interesting than that because when you're on the ground in in the grassland of east africa you realize that making a living is a lot more than just being an athlete you have to know something about the terrain and the people and the animals and the whole thing so it's a very rich subject and africa was a great place i really enjoyed the experience there i'd love to go back anytime and you also spent some time, I'm watching your, uh, the video on your website, you spent some time in France doing some training. How did you come about that opportunity and, and, and getting that experience? Right, well, I, I, years ago, the, the first book I wrote, the first serious book was called Exuberant Animal. And sort of the writer's journey here is interesting because I wrote the book, I got it up on Amazon, and then nothing happened for five, six, seven years. Oh, wow. And I didn't really hear from people. I thought that it was a complete flop. And then one day I got a um, email from a publisher in France and he said, I want to do your book. And so that led to the French edition of the book. And then he invited me over to do workshops. And so I was just delighted. I mean, we had a great time. I got to do all my favorite subjects, all my favorite experiences with people. And I'd love to do more. So I, I really enjoy teaching and I love moving with other human bodies. It's, uh, it's delightful. That's awesome. Now that book has led, that first book led to you, you know, writing a second book. Can you talk to us a bit more about this, this second book that you just wrote? I believe it was published in November. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy is never wrong. So for me, my personal journey in all this was arriving in adulthood and getting involved with conflict with different people, different organizations, this kind of thing, and then thinking, okay, how did I get in this predicament? 
what's the history that led up to this? And why was I never really trained to deal with conflict? Because it, uh, the, the way I tee this up, I say that if you come from a typical family, your mother said, don't fight, and your father said, don't lose, and that was <laughs> the end of it. And that, sure. was, that was my whole martial education. So I would be in third grade or fourth grade, and I'd have a fight on the playground or, or have some kind of conflict with somebody, and I would go home, and mom would say, don't fight, and dad would say, don't lose. That's, That's the end of it. Or, when you realize that conflict is an integral part of the human experience, you have to wonder why we fail so spectacularly to teach one another about this stuff. And we really don't. I mean, there's school is all about academics and that's it, but we don't teach about relationships. We don't teach about conflict resolution. We don't teach about drawing boundaries or taking care of yourself. And so we arrive in adulthood and boom, now we have to deal with all this conflict. We have no training. So we're getting thrown into deep water um, and we have to figure it out on our own. <laughs> so this is where I think the martial arts can play a role. I had some traditional teachers who were always talking about your martial artistry off the mat. So in other words, they were saying the hand-to-hand -hand techniques and all that stuff is, is valuable and maybe useful for, for some people, but it's really about how we get along with other people in conflicted relationships outside the dojo, off the mat. That's where the real training takes place. So it's, it's very exciting to offer this to people as maybe a partial solution. Yeah. I'm glad you brought yeah. this up. It, it, it reminds me of some of the conflict that I face myself, whether it's in the work workplace or at home and uh, not really knowing knowing how to address them and it's good to see someone actually taking the initiative to dive deep into uh, such a topic you know from the martial art perspective and also based on the experience that you've had over the years um uh, ron do you have any question yeah i do i i kind of want to hear your thoughts on this because we had a episode Man, I, it was earlier in our phases. I mean, we're talking sometime last year, and it talked about adulthood. And uh, our our conflict, our back and forth was really, is it is adulthood really difficult? And you kind of mentioned it. I, I kind of want to hear your thought process on it. And in terms of what you said, right? So you said, as an adult, we get thrown into the ocean, and we just got to figure out how to survive. So ultimately, the question is, do you feel as if adulthood is hard or easy? Oh, I think it's really difficult, and it's it's doubly difficult now because the world is changing so fast. Yeah. And one thing I learned in biology and learned about the modern world is that what we've created for all practical purposes is an alien environment. I mean, we, we, there's been so much innovation over the last couple hundred years that we have been drawn way far away from our our history and our origins and we are living in a way that's very much out of context it's the the comparison i always make is that our environment is so powerful in shaping our behavior what if you took your dog and put your dog in the garage and just left him there wow. for months at a time maybe you feed your dog so your dog is having problems because your dog is living in an alien environment and of course that dog is going to have problems so in a sense 
our modern world is so radically, radically different from the world we evolved in that, of course, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And we don't appreciate it. We're frogs in the boy in the warming water. We're kind of used to the modern world. But if we step back a little bit and look at history, we see, no, it's really, really different. And a lot of us have no training for that. So would you say, to add on to that, I guess one of the solutions would be to really just kind of understand our history. Oh, thank you for that. Yes, history is such a valuable subject because it it's not just a bunch of dates and yeah. it's not just a bunch of facts. No, history gives us a sense of identity. And if you don't know your history, then you're going to be lost in the world and you won't really know who you are. And I think this is what happens to a lot of people. We don't really study history that effectively in school. And then boom, here you are in the modern world. And then you have to find out what your identity might happen to be. And so it's, we're challenged for a lot of different directions now. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you, when you say um, individuals did not like history or did not study history in school, I was one of them. I, I, that was one of the subjects I despise. I'm sorry, I have to say it. <laughs> it did not sit right. with and, me and well, we but and that was, that was kind of it. Right. And we don't teach it well. What we do is we teach small history. So we teach the history of the last several hundred years or maybe the last several thousand years. But that's still small history. Yeah. What I advocate for is teaching big history, the history of life on Earth, the history of the human species, the history of civilization. All of these things have really powerful messages for us. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to be big. Yeah. Now to okay. add on to that, how 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 else you know would you what what are some of the recommendations you will make when it comes to education in in you know in regard to conflict human conflict, um, you know you, you talk about history. What what other recommendation would you have? Perhaps some some things that you mentioned in the book. Right. Well, I say the number one thing is to teach the body to get the body involved. And this is the martial art model where you're actually in the dojo on the mat and you're working in hand-to-hand contact with other people. You're training the deep body but, and all our behavior comes from the body. You could talk all you want to the head and it may or may not help. But if you could train the body, then you've got a chance. And this is something that um, I've heard a lot of mothers talk about when they they enroll their children in karate classes and the the story i've heard it a thousand times where young johnny is just a terror he's got adhd he's all over the map he's running he can't study he he just won't behave and then i put him in the karate class and after six months in karate now the kid is totally different and it makes sense because the body is disciplined and in turn, the mind becomes disciplined. So you you train the body, you bow to the mat, you bow to your partner, you do what the sensei tells you to do, you put your right leg back and, you, and then you punch, whatever it is. And that repetition of the body works wonders for the mind. <laughs> we, we see the same thing a little bit in sports, but it's not quite as spectacular in sports usually. So get the body involved, I think is the most important thing. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say that before. So I, I would like to 
if 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 you can elaborate a little bit more on getting the body involved because you said behavior comes from the body so is it more let's just kind of i guess the routine of what we do on a daily basis that creates that the behavior in the end right right and you know this is something that uh we've forgotten we used to know this because in native cultures around the world people used to dance I mean, dance after hunting and gathering, dance was the first human movement practice, and people danced in groups. So this was fundamental to building cohesion among people and to training the body and training behavior together. And dance is great. It's fallen out of favor. It's become kind of a sport, I guess, in its own right. But it, um, it's fundamental. So... You know, this is something where PE teachers, I think, can do better because we jump right into sports. We leapfrog over the movement fundamentals. We get right into how to throw a baseball or right into, you know, how to play football. That's premature. I think we can do better by working on how to be a better walker, how to be a better runner, how to jump, how to lift, how to do these fundamental things, and then how to interact with other people. Those are the fundamentals. And we'd avoid a lot of problems if we did that. I agree. Um, do you, do you feel, are you currently working in, in, in any sort of training like that with, with people uh, kind of teaching them the fundamental? Well, I do, do the you workshops. Have... I, I do the workshops with people and I have a few training partners that I train with regularly and it's very exciting for me to do that um and then i supplement with other things i do a little cardio you know ride my bike that kind of thing i go to the climbing gym that's really fun too but um for me ground zero the, the favorite place to be is in the dojo that's for me was always the ideal educational environment for me. So, gotcha who is frank outside yeah. the dojo like who you know what else do you get into when you're not in, you know in there yeah, well, I'm kind of a nature boy. You know, I grew up in California, and for me, I remember being a little kid and hearing the story about John Muir and how John Muir was going to save Yosemite. And for me, Yosemite was like the best place on the planet, and it, it, that's where my body felt really comfortable. So for me, whenever I get the chance, I want to go to the mountains, I want to get out, whether it's uh, on the trail or on my mountain bike, whatever it is, and that's what gives me juice because... The rest of the time, I'm living a sedentary life in my office writing books. And that's uh, not particularly good for the body. But that's what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like, I'm a nature boy now as well. Um, coming from Africa, it was kind of a bit, you know, tough to transition to that side. But I've gotten to explore a little bit more. So I can relate to that aspect of getting out the house and experiencing nature as well. Um yeah. As a follow-up to that, what are some of the, you know, the, 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 the places that you've been, you know, on, on, on your hikes and, and things of that nature that, that you've really enjoyed and, and brought up, you know, life to who you are? Well, I've been really fortunate. I spent a couple of seasons in Alaska, so I've seen some actual wilderness. I went on a gotcha. raft trip in Alaska that was like way out in the bush. So I've been really fortunate. I've seen some of the last wild places. Right. And 
that motivates me a lot. To, uh, it, it motivates my activist work where I'm working for conservation, I'm working on climate change and some of these other issues. And you know, that would be a good thing to talk about is activism because that is a motivating activity for a lot of people now. There's so many issues in the modern world that we can choose from. And if you have a sense of meaning and purpose, that coalesces in activism, then you're going to be stronger. And that's what really excites you. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit more then, because um, I, I want to figure out, one of the things I like to talk to individuals about and try to see how did they go about it is how did they find their purpose or their passion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, again, this goes back to my John Muir days, but um, I think you just have to look around and see what you really feel strongly about. And the good news is there's so many issues to feel strongly about now. I mean, the, the modern world is just a buffet of possible activism that people can get involved in. And like I say, for me, it's, it's climate. That's it for me. That's the alpha issue right now. Um, but other people are going to have other concerns. The, the thing you have to avoid is an inactivist sort of lifestyle, which I think a lot of people fall back into where when we're really stressed, we tend to go back to the familiar. And that, that's a common reaction, not just to, to humans, but uh, any animal, really, that if the world is chaotic and stressful, we go back to what we know. Yeah, And for a lot of people, that's um, just modern, regular life. Regular, you know, go home, watch a TV, read the same book you always read, read the same food you always read. That's reversion to the familiar. And in small doses, that makes good sense. But if that becomes your, your complete lifestyle, then I think you're really missing out. You, there has to be some effort to get out of that. No. And now, do you have any t- t- uh, tricks, tips, track tactics, or anything of that nature that could help an individual from falling into that and staying there? Yeah, well, that that's what I call the quagmire, right? This is the <laughs> mental health challenge of the modern world because <laughs> all of these things get studied in isolation. So some people have anxiety, some people have depression, some people have uh, insomnia, whatever it is. And all of these things have their own medical specialties. But I say it's all part of one piece. It's the common reaction to the stressful conditions of the modern world we're living. Most of us have at least one foot in the quagmire right now. (laughs) So, you know, we hear the recommendations for getting out of the quagmire, which is exercise, sleep more, have a community, all of these kind of things. And, And they're good. But activism is important here, too, because I think activism can pull us out of the quagmire. If you're part of a group of people who are motivated, then it it can help you transcend a lot of that difficulty. And that, that's what works for me. I'm part of an activist group, and I love to see these people because, yeah. um, you know, they have their own struggles, but together we're stronger. So... That's how I get out of the mud. <laughs> I like what you said there. Together we're stronger. So collectively, what do you think, you know, we, we can do when it comes to climate issues? Well, the first thing is just to get on with the science. I mean, the, the 99.9% of scientists agree 
on the fundamentals and they agree about the physics of the atmosphere and they agree about biodiversity and species extinction and all the rest. So the first challenge is educational. People just have to learn what's going on. And then once you understand it, then it's pretty obvious that we need to take action in some way. Now, the, the, the problem is everybody has a different life. Everybody right. has different capabilities. Not everybody can write a book. Not everybody <laughs> can do public speaking. Not everybody's in government. But everybody can do something. Right. And everybody can speak out. Everybody can take a knee or stand up. Whatever it is, just to be active is the, the primal prescription, you might say. I like that. Bringing awareness to the topic itself, and but through education is important. Um, yeah, and it, you know it's kind of terrifying because when you when you look at the magnitude of the problem, it's really hard, and so it's so easy to go back into denial. Um, and it's not just the the problems of the the so called environment, but our social tr troubles, everything. The, all of these things are so intimidating, but through action. You can feel better about it, and you can feel like maybe you get a little bit of traction in the world, and sometimes that's enough. And right, yeah. And I, I'm the first thing that comes to my mind is um, Colin Kaepernick. Is uh, he he took a a massive stand, and I mean, granted, that was years ago, but it's something I think that should still to this day be highlighted because I mean, the man' life has changed within couple months um you know he lost pretty much a lot um now i don't know what he has today and i'm, I'm sure i hope everything is better um, but it's something of that nature that i think you're speaking on of someone taking a stance and living by it and being true to it to maybe open up some eyes to others and i'm, I'm sure it did that yeah he's he's a big inspiration to me uh as is greta thunberg both of these people willing to take big personal risks and so that's, you know, when, when they, they appeared on the scene at roughly the same time yeah. and that, that kind of changed my life. I said, I want to be like Colin. I want to be like Greta. And yeah, I, I'm trying my best to do that. So we'll see if, uh, and, I, and that's the other thing. You never know the real consequences of your actions when, when we are, up against these big intractable problems, uh, up against power structures and that kind of thing. And then you, you go and you do an action, whether it's a protest or, or write something or speak out, whatever it is, you don't really know how it's going to affect the system yeah. because these things are so complex. But you can't control how you show up. Yeah. And that's, I think, the spiritual lesson in all of this. It's like, I don't really know. Well, for example, our conversation today, I don't really know who's going to listen. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to be affected. That's... Some people might be affected in a good way. Some people may not like me at all. You never yeah. know. Yeah. But <laughs> I can control how I show up. So I want to bring my sincerity to the game, Absolutely. you might say. And that that's what I can do. So Control the control. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in... I want to go back a little bit and look at the scope of, you know, this is a self-development podcast and we talked a little bit about your journey and, and how you got where you got and some of the things that you've done. I, I want to look back at, you know, 
before you even embark on this journey, um, you had some challenges and obstacles yourself and, and you've become more aware of what's important to you over the years. Uh, what are some of the advice that you may have for somebody who's listening at this time who may be, you know, a few steps, you know, on that same journey and, and, and facing some challenges? Well, one of the most important things, I think, is to have some kind of a coach. Um, I've been really lucky in the sense that I had these martial art teachers who, in, in different styles, different arts, they were always coming across with some really powerful life lessons for me. And so, so just going to the dojo every night was really powerful for me. And <laughs> it doesn't have to be a martial arts sensei. You can find a coach in, in any number of realms, but there's something about being human. We like to be coached. We like to affiliate with somebody who might be a little bit wiser than we are. And that has been really fundamental for me. I've had, and even people I've never met, um, that have been really powerful. That's why I love to read. And, um, people can step up for us in surprising ways. So yeah, be a good student of, of these life lessons and these leaders. Nice. Um, first of all, when um, you think about, I got, I got a question right here. Go ahead. My bad, my bad. <laughs> I got a question. Um, in terms of coaching and, you know, just finding someone to coach, is there any attributes? Is there anything that you specifically look for to help you gauge between a good and a bad coach? Because I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'll be that guy. Not everyone needs to be a coach. <laughs> Some people could are better off as students, um, rather than teachers. So, is there any attributes or anything that you kind of look for? Well, getting back to this word sincerity, I think that's something I'm always looking for. Um, somebody who is trying as hard as they can showing up even if they're making mistakes it doesn't matter if they have a sense of dignity if they're striving towards integration then that's really attractive to me yeah. and i try not to limit myself i try and pick up these life lessons from anybody i can whether it's a neighbor or you know, a young person that kind of thing so as long as they're doing the work and try to be more integrated into the world, then there's probably something I can learn there. Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. Not everybody's cut out to be a teacher. And that's, that's something that just appealed to me early on. It fits my personality. I I love it when when I give a presentation and and I nail it sometimes. <laughs> and that makes me feel really good, but I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. So you just have to look around and find what works for you. Yeah. But there's some about being human. We do like having teachers and it's a noble profession. So it's a good way to go. Thank you for that. Um, um, my question was when you think about, um, you know, as an advocate for human animal, what's your, you know, what's kind of your outlook for the future? Where do you see, you know, us going collectively down the line, you know, based on oh, what boy. you've read, some of the research that you've done. <laughs> I know that's a big fish, but you know, just whatever you can share. Yeah. And it, it, it's intimidating as hell. I, I'll be honest with you. I, the, 
so many of the trajectories seem to be pointed in a tough direction. And, um, and it's not just climate and the biosphere. The human health is in jeopardy in a lot of ways. And if you just look at the mental health status of a lot of people around the world, and especially young people now, young people have it really tough. I mean, they, they the surveys that have come out in some of the medical journals, young people are really terrified of the future. And, and for good reason, I think. So what needs to happen right now is we need to double down on anything that we can do to support people. And whether that comes out of um, government institutions or other parts of society, we need to rally around young people to give them a leg up. And the sad thing is we, we often aren't doing it. We, um, we're overwhelmed by the chaos and the complexity of these things. So again, people have to step up for young people wherever they are. And they, this is something I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm working with Greta Thunberg's group, Fridays for Future. I go to these meetings with high school kids and I'm doing whatever I can to support them. And it's really gratifying. And I don't know what the long-term trajectory is there for them, but um, you know, if I have some free time, I'm gonna help them out. <laughs> One of the challenges that the, the younger generation is facing, even ourselves right now, uh, is the incorporation of technology in our day-to-day -day life. Now, with you know some of the, the 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 training and you know guidance that you're providing to the the young the younger kids that you're working with, how does you know technology you know play a part in what you're doing? Is that do you feel as though it's beneficial in the work, or do we need to scale back on on the use of that? I'm really opinionated on this stuff because I am kind of a Luddite. I mean, I, I grew up with a rotary phone and, you know, we, we had nothing along those lines. And for me, I'm very skeptical about technology in general. Obviously, it allows us to do fun things like this. <laughs> but especially social media, it allows for too much comparison between people. So, I go on to one of these social media accounts and I can see how other people are succeeding. Uh, and in my domain, I might see, oh, so-and-so is selling a whole bunch of books or they're becoming famous or they're getting their word out. And so I, my, my life feels smaller in comparison because people only post their good stuff usually. So, and this is what happens to teenagers. They look at, oh, here's my friends. They're doing so great. They're looking really good. They're getting a lot of attention. We feel smaller by comparison. It's very unnatural. And I think the evidence is pretty clear that it's destructive. So yeah. we gotta learn how to put that stuff down. <laughs> and my personal practice on this is to leave the phone at home when I go to the grocery store or when I go to the dock park or if I'm just doing something local, I don't bring the phone at all. I don't have any social media on my phone. And that gives me some phone free times during the day when I can actually interact with people face to face. Cause that's the gold standard, right? When you meet people face to face, you use your body in communication for the vast majority of our history, communication has always been with the whole body. And now with this disembodied communication, that's 
that's a very alien way to relate to another person. So, yeah, I have a lot of problems with it. Ron, you want to chime in a bit? <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I don't have many problems with it because I'm able, I've, I think I've been able to kind of self-sustain myself when it comes to social media. I'm not a big fan of it um, to begin with, and I think that really helps uh, with my, <laughs> my usage of it and really why I use it to begin with. But I, I mean, I couldn't agree with them anymore. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I don't do everything Frank does now. I don't leave my phone at home if I'm going to the grocery store or I'm walking or anything. It's, it's right on my hip. But I think, it, you know, some tactics that individuals can't use to help them. But I, I couldn't agree anymore with um, just his entire idea of what social media does to the generations moving forward. Yeah. Finding a way to put it down and have yeah. a balance. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with looking at people face to face, and there's nothing wrong with looking at nature. Yeah, right uh, in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Now, my last question here is more about um, you yourself, Frank, and, and some of the things that you you're looking to accomplish over the next six to twelve months. Uh, what's on your on your list, on your bucket list? Right. Well, I've got the whole activist thing and we're looking to put on some events and that's always a heavy lift because organizing anything, you've got to talk to a lot of people and unfortunately I have to do social media and do some <laughs> of the technology to make all that happen. So we've got some activist events on the calendar moving forward. That's fun. I want to do more workshops. I love working with people um, in real time, face to face. I work with a group called the American Institute of Stress. Hey. And that's a really interesting group. because It's a nonprofit, and they, they have physicians and a lot of therapy people, coaches and trainers, that kind of thing, in the mix. And we do workshops, uh, digital, online stuff. But we're looking to do our live events as well. And it's a fascinating group because that's another part of the trajectory here is that stress is going to increase on the human animal in coming years. And right now we are, we have a narrative around stress and everybody knows what they're supposed to do about stress, but it's gonna be a, an even bigger problem than it is now. So that's where I'd like to have an effect, make an inroad. Gotcha. Are you, most of you, are all your events People. local? Um, there's not much happening in band, really. I'm, I'm looking at doing an event in the UK coming up this fall. And this would be a good one to be on your radar because it's called Reawakening the Human Animal. And this will be a live event three days on the Isle of Man, which is off the coast of the UK. And it's uh, it's gonna be really exciting. We're gonna have a lot of talk about eco-psychology. We're gonna do martial arts. So there'll be a lot of face-to-face -face interaction, a lot of meditation. And the whole idea is that by the time people go home, they're going to be feeling really good in their bodies and really energized with some of the ideas. That, so that's going to be an exciting event. That's awesome. What, where would be the best place to get yeah. you know more information on that event once you do you know if if it's already out or once you do have that information, your website, right. Facebook. Well, we have, a, we have the basic idea. We have the basic facts are sketched in. And if people want to go to my website, which is exuberantanimal 
com, and then you can go to the events drop down menu and you'll find the Isle of Man so gotcha. we don't we can't take registration quite yet but pretty soon we'll be able to do that will you give so, us the inside sorry, scoop of um yeah would you give us the inside scoop of when that pre-registration is so that we could let everybody know yeah yeah absolutely i'll let you guys know because uh you know for you from north carolina it'd be just what one airplane flight and then maybe a ferry ride and it, it could be a really fun thing for you so be good okay yeah, and then just getting out a lot. I want to do, you know, more nature stuff. And who knows, maybe write another book. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be so, waiting. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, nah, uh, go ahead, Francis. I think you're going to wrap it up here. No, not, not yet. I'll, no. I'll let you ask your okay, question. Yeah, a few questions um, just before... Francis takes over here. So for generations listening now, um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you like to get wisdom from those that have been through certain things and kind of could give you those life lessons. What kind of wisdom would you give to somebody listening to this or generations down the line that is hearing this today? Well, keep fighting, I think is the number one thing. Keep fighting for what you believe in and then... Uh, fight skillfully because there's a lot of fighting going on right now but there's a lot of unskillful fighting and that's the difference humans are always going to fight and there are things that are worth fighting for but we need to be more skillful about all of it so build that into your identity maybe and think of yourself as a martial artist even if you don't know anything about hand-to-hand combat Build that into your identity. Think, okay, here's a conflict I'm facing. Maybe I can be a little bit more skillful with my language or my orientation. If I was a master martial artist, how would I deal with the conflict in front of me? And just having that question in in the back of your mind might be helpful. So give it a try. (laughs) Doesn't always work. (laughs) It's worth a try. (laughs) And go ahead, Thank you Francis. for that. Um, I'm just going to wrap it up. Thank you, Crank, for taking the time to you know share the wisdom that you brought to the table today. Um, it was a very insightful to bring awareness to some of the topics that we talked about. Um, a lot of this uh, today we don't often hear from you know from people, um, and I really appreciate well, you taking the time to come in on this platform and sharing that. So, is there any way we can support you? You know, off the the the, the podcast. Don't hesitate to let us know, um, and uh, we'll make sure yeah, that this yeah. episode get out there, and and you know, and people get to hear your perspective on on some of the issues that you you're passionate about. Nice, yeah, yeah. It's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to staying in touch. And who knows, maybe we can uh, help each other out along the way. And uh, yeah, real Absolutely. fun talking to you. And just before yes, you go, Frank. This is the last and last question, I promise. This is the question I ask everyone. And it stumps a lot of people. So be, be get ready. But you kind of answered it throughout the entire episode, but what do you think is the number one thing holding people back from reaching their full potential? Oh, well, it's always fear. And, so, you know, we yeah. are animals. And, yeah. you know, there's novelty out there for us. To, you know, if we want to expand our comfort zones... And it's scary. 
And especially in the modern world now, there's so many stressors and there's so many novel challenges and novel threats that people have never had to face before. So, you know, I follow a, a writer who wrote a lot about environmentalism in the American Southwest. His name's Edward Abbey. And Abbey said, courage is the master virtue. Courage is the thing that makes all other virtues possible. And I think about that every day because it's so easy to lapse back into the familiar. Yeah. But no, courage is the master virtue. If you can do that, then uh, then you can maybe make some progress. Man, he was ready for that when I couldn't stop him. He yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Thank oh, you. I do agree with that. Thank you, Frank. You bet. Yeah. Okay, and there you have it. You guys were able to hear from Frank and himself. Thank you guys for tuning in and staying to the end. Wherever you're listening from, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Leave us those reviews if you're listening on the audio version. And let us know what your thoughts were on this because, you know, everything we preach over here is all about growth. And I hope you guys were able to kind of get a little bit more from that episode because I know for sure I did. Uh, were you able to get something from that, Francis? Yes, sir. Absolutely. It was very insightful. <laughs> uh, some of the, you know, I, it's some of the things that I don't think about every day, right? Yeah. And that's what we're here to do is to, for that reason, enable you guys to grow so you can unleash that power and transform your mind, transform your reality. So until next time, keep on applying those perspectives, education, growth, collaboration.